I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. No, guys were not coming after me. I didn't have a I'm interested in you guys vibe. I was yeah. completely <laughs> disinterested. People like you don't like men. No, I just was not interested. Like I was right. I didn't have any interest in entertaining them and talking to them and right. smelling them. Like I always thought they smelled bad, you know. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all Ciao and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that should know better than to travel when Mercury is in retrograde. I'm Carolyn Bergier. Never again, except I will have to travel again this week to go meet my co-host, Melody Kamali. You know her, you love her, out in Palm Springs because it is finally Dinosaur Week. 
We hope to see some of you there. We'll be trying to drum up some interviews with some new and fun guests. But meanwhile, you can always support us on Patreon. If you want new episodes that you haven't heard, we have off-topic episodes. Those are new uh, episodes that we put out almost every single week, and there's a huge back catalog of them. So check that out at patreon.com slash out. Speaking of dinosaur... <sighs> I don't know how I'm going to do this. I am so run down. Cecilia is actually staying home. She has a little bit of a cold and we're both exhausted. We just got back mere hours ago for me recording this because we were stuck in Italy. We had four days straight in the airport. I was drinking from bidets and not really, but you can see it on my Instagram. Anyway, uh, it was a crazy trip. I got a really bad stomach virus, which I know what you're thinking, but I got sick before I made those bidet posts. I had to cancel my Love's a Pitch show that was supposed to be um, this past Saturday, but I, I was stuck in Italy. Um, I had a death in the family, just a lot of crazy stuff going on. And one thing that gave me a lot of joy while we were traveling, besides the gelato, was that Rosie O'Donnell has been on the press circuit to promote her new show, American Gigolo. And she was on uh, Howard Stern, Watch What Happens Live, uh, Seth Meyers, and and that's the episode that we're going to be re-releasing today. And there are a lot of fun reasons to listen to this one again, or maybe for the first time, if you're a new listener, uh, as you know, Rosie was my passion project of a guest from the beginning of Diking Out. I want to interview Rosie O'Donnell. I'm obsessed and I've been more obsessed lately uh, because she was in A League of Their Own. Another passion project of mine is I've been recapping A League of Their Own episodes. And uh, because of that, on the plane ride back today, I did watch the movie Again, so it actually been maybe two years since I last watched the movie. I've seen it over 50 times, I'm sure, but it was fun to watch it again and focusing on on Rosie and uh, all of the fun ways that she interjects into the movie. Just such a great actress. So excited to watch American Gigolo. But some cool things that uh, she talks about, some interesting things in the interviews that she's been doing the past week. One, she confirms that she is a series regular on Gen Q this season, this upcoming season that they're filming. So she's been upgraded, which hopefully means she'll be in it a lot more as her character Carrie and talks about how she might be doing a sex scene, which is something that we ask her about in this interview. Very interesting to see how much has changed in a year. Also, she talks about how she met her girlfriend. Well, in this interview, we talk about TikTok and sliding into DMs and all of that kind of stuff, younger women. So, oh, and also in this interview, she talks about how she's going to be playing this role of a bartender in the A League of Their Own on a Prime Video series. And now that's out there in the world. So please enjoy this interview with Rosie O'Donnell that Melody and I recorded a year ago. She's a legend. This is hands down our favorite interview on Diking Out. Hope you love it as much as we do. I 
was thinking about it yesterday, and when you interviewed Barbara Streisand, you were 35. That's right. And I know Diking Out is no Rosie O'Donnell show, but this is a pretty big personal milestone yeah. for me. So that I get to be Diking Out with Rosie O'Donnell is a big freaking deal. Well, so, I'm thank honored you. to be a part of it. I'm honored to be here for your 200th episode. I think that's fantastic. You know, when I was your age, there was no such thing as a Diking Out podcast being, um, you know, commercially successful. That wasn't what yes. was happening when I was in right. early 30s. Yeah, that was a bad word back then, right? Yeah, kind of, you know. And um, I remember people were would ask me if it was a bad word. Like, you know, Rosie, if somebody says dyke, I go, I think the people who live within the culture that uses that word own it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it wasn't a bad word necessarily when you're hanging out with your friends. You know, hey, great big yeah. dyke, give me a, give me a beer. You know, like you would say to your friends, right? Do I look too dykey in this? Is this a total dyke outfit? You know, like, <laughs> right, right. right. Or this, when I got my hair cut, I remember I said to some of my friends, you know, I was afraid to get it really short, you know, and I thought, well, I don't want it to look too gay. And my friend said to me, you think it's your hair? That <laughs> I was like, you're so right, you know, you but when you're my age and you're raised in a culture where, you know, you've just been conditioned that that's not the way it's supposed to be, you know? Right. And so, right. you know, I feel bad for people my age now trying to understand the explosion of uh, queer uh, America or the, the presence of of trans and, and non-binary and, you know, non-gendered yeah. individuals. It's it's pretty overwhelming to try to figure out at 60. I can't imagine people older than me how they do it, you know? Well, my mom is turning 70 in September, and I spend a lot of time trying to explain it to her. The the they, them, she's like, but you're talking about one person. I'm like, I am talking about one person. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. She'll get it uh, eventually. And speaking of the word dyke, is it true that when you came out, I mean, you were out to everybody in your life, but when you officially came out on stage at Caroline's, the phrase was, I'm a dyke. I'm a dyke. Mm. That's what I read. I believe that's what I said. I yeah. got a big laugh. I go, newsflash, Love it. I'm a dyke. <laughs> everybody, is that a big shock to anyone? Okay, I didn't think so. Moving forward, you know. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I mean, it was difficult to have sort of your life split down the middle of what the public knows and, and what you're living. You know, I remember when People Magazine right. came out and it said, world's hardest working single mom. And I was like, first of all, I was with Kelly. Right. right. So I wasn't <laughs> a single mom ever, right? And um, to be getting like accolades and have her just kind of removed. And my publicist at the time was Lois Smith, the legendary Lois Smith, who was Marilyn Monroe's publicist as well. And she was a legendary, just a one hell of a woman, like showbiz dame, you know? And um, she was Meryl Streep's publicist and Robert Redford and everybody, you name it, she was. And so she, when when I took the job before the show came on the air, you know, I told 
Warner Brothers that I was gay because I didn't want them investing millions and then saying, you know, you defrauded us. So I said, I just want you to know this, that I don't imagine that I'll come out at the time. You know, it seemed like an impossible task. Right. That, you know, one person's going to change the entire culture. What are you kidding me? You know, and I remember when Ellen decided to come out, I remember thinking, well, she's going to ruin her whole career. Yeah. And she did for a little bit. Yeah. And then came back. Yeah. 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 And do people still think you're Lebanese? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I was one of my proudest moments where as a gay person, I wasn't going to get let another gay person stand there alone when that is, you know, my uh, uniform too, my tattoo. Right. Right. I'm not going to. You know, there's a great Tori Amos song. Your mom shows up in a nasty dress and it's your turn now to stand where I stand. Everyone's looking at you. Take hold of my hand. And that's what I felt about that that moment. I was like, you're being very brave and I'm not going to let you do it by yourself. That's amazing. My favorite television moment, truly. Right, yeah. right. We talk about it a lot here. Do you? <laughs> yes. yeah. 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 We had Judy Gold on uh, last summer and definitely talked about some of those moments with her and the classic uh, Madonna holding Judy's, Judy's baby. Judy's baby, that's and, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so long ago now, it's hard to believe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 25th anniversary, right? Yes. It's it's sort of shocking. I went out to breakfast with Abby Lee Miller yesterday at Mel's Diner in um, Santa Monica. I met her before she went to jail, before she got cancer on a Broadway stage. And I was like, you are too much. I'm going to play you in a Broadway musical. You get off those kids. You're so mean to them. What are you doing? She's laughing. And, you know, like I... Totally could play her in something. But um, we went out to to brunch brunch or lunch, whatever. And I must have taken 25 pictures of people with Abby Lee Miller in her wheelchair because she had spinal cancer. Wow. Yeah. And everybody was like, now she did have on a huge Abby Lee Miller T-shirt, which does draw a little bit of the attention. But she was beloved in Mel's Diner. I'm like. (laughs) <laughs> There's going to be a comeback for Abby Lee Miller. I I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> I believe it. If you call it, it's going to happen. You've called a lot of things. I've called a lot of yeah. things. I yeah. Have. Yeah. From Tickle Me Elmo. <laughs> to yeah. This. To Donald Trump being the worst <laughs> yeah. person. First person you living. You were the OG yeah. hater of Donald Trump. And every time I was like, Rosie was right. She knew it. I knew it. But how could you not know it if you grew up in New York? Right. You know, right. it was like a known thing. I mean, I remember his planes being repossessed off the runway at LaGuardia, his Trump planes and his bullshit liquor and his steaks and his fake university. It's like he's the worst kind of con man. And then he right. got hooked up with Mark Burnett, who is the devil incarnate for doing what he did and yep. allowing him the kind of uh, resume that was complete, yeah. completely fraudulent, you know, that he was some successful right. businessman, that they had a boardroom. They didn't have a boardroom. Right. Mark Burnett <laughs> made a boardroom. Right. This is not <laughs> what people think. And now half the country is in a is in a coma and a cult. Old right. mind. And where do we go as a nation, you know? What helped you survive those four years? You know, I think keeping myself out of the public eye, pretty much. I think maintaining my uh, opinion 
and educating myself enough to be able to articulate my feelings in a concise and succinct way every day on Twitter or whatever. It was difficult. When you get into a, a, you know, bullshit celebrity feud with a two-bit failed reality show host, it doesn't really affect your life too much. But when that man becomes the president of the United States and the biggest threat to democracy our country has ever faced, and I am his uh, punching bag, it's uh, pretty surreal. You know, all we have to do is take these lies and make them true. George Michael. (laughs) I had an interesting thing happen to me. Not that this is about diking out, but a little bit it is. So my little girl's eight. I'm here living with her alone. My older kids are back east. She meets four little girls under the age of seven in one house. She's thrilled. She's absolutely thrilled. They play together. They go, you know, on the yard in our little pool. They go, they're so deliciously. And I meet the parents and they seem very nice. And then the parents invite her to go over to their house. So I go over to their house. And this is after a couple of dates of, you know. And there I see on the um, wine rack two MAGA hats. Why on the... What do you do? What do you do? First thing I did, took a picture of them. When they weren't looking. They turned around, I went to change. Because I had to tell people this because they were not going to believe it. First, I showed the gorgeous, we are the world. Look at how the country's getting along. And then the MAGA hats come in, right? And it has been a big challenge for me personally to not disregard them because of their political beliefs. Like I have the urge, I had the urge to go like, okay, I cannot, right, cannot what? Let my daughter have her friends. I can't what, be civil to people who are quite nice. I mean, they're very kind. They're very sweet. They, you know, so finally after a few more days of hanging together, with our kids, she said, how come we don't see you so much now? How come we don't? See-? I said, the truth. I saw your MAGA hats. Oh, said, and I'm like, you know, a Jew. And that's the SWAT sticker. <laughs> I didn't say that we were going to be able to have this conversation. She's like, we have many friends who have many different political beliefs. I go, is this because you're Persian Jews? Is that because of the Israeli policy? Is this your illusion that Donald Trump loves Jewish people? Which, you know, frankly, he does not. So I I, I don't know. We had a mini conversation of it. But I'm, I'm happy that I didn't just do what my instinct was, which was to go, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. how are we going to be a nation if we don't? Right. Yeah, I I moved from Queens upstate a little bit during the pandemic, and I I just assume half my neighbors probably voted for him. Right. And it it does teach you to try to see people as humans who are doing their best and they're just misinformed or hold on to, to bad beliefs for whatever reason. But it's so important that we can't just disregard and forget about a large swath of the country or else we'll never really be exactly. a country. Exactly. And it's hard though. It's hard. After hard. Everything that it happens. really is hard. It's hard to, um, it's hard to wrap your head around Persians voting for Trump though. I'm Persian. I'm just like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Are you Jewish? No, 
Um, it's the Jewish but, thing. I think that, that yeah. they tied in with him, with Israel, she was saying, you know, but she does not want to talk to politics, but she, you know, what's funny. She has an accent like that. I said, where'd you grow up? She says in West Hollywood. I'm like, <laughs> okay. She's like, but my mother talks like that. So I kind of do. I'm like, interesting. I don't know that that's how accents work, but okay. You know, yeah. whatever you want to do. Well, you just moved to LA. Yes. Is this your first time permanently or semi-permanently living in LA or you've done no, it before? I did it for 10 years from when I first moved out there in 84 after I did Star Search and I had my first kid, which was um, 95. So then I oh. wanted him to grow up with his cousins and everything. So I moved back to New York and I took the daytime talk show job so that I could be home with him and not have to go get a nanny on the road and everything. How is it like adjusting back to life in L.A. after the time you've spent in New York? You know, New York has been very hard since the pandemic. And um, in the year before that, the pandemic, I had sold my house in Florida, so I didn't have that normal kind of it's getting depressing in New York. Let's fly down to Florida. You know, that's been how I've been able to stay on the East Coast for all these years. For many, many years, I had a home in Florida and it was life saving. So for almost two years, having no son and then the pandemic um, and my depression really got got the better of me. And I knew it and I knew I had to make a big change. And I had gotten um, a series on Showtime, American Gigolo, that starts shooting in January, and it will air oh, wow. next summer with John Berenthal and Gretchen Mull. And it's from the guy who made Ray Donovan. Oh, okay. So it's, you know, a really wonderful series, and I'm happy to be on that. And that shoots for like three months, January to March or April here in L.A. So I have a daughter who uh, is eight years old and, and is spectrum on the spectrum and and she has a special school that she's going to here that's really for kids exactly like what she has and uh, mm-hmm. what she is about. You know, she's one of these quirky, like she would fit on Big Bang Theory, right? She could be on Big Bang Theory and yeah. totally fit in with with those in, in the quirky way that that autism and, and all of its, you know, all of its offshoots um, manifests in girls is so different than mm-hmm. how it manifests in boys. Right, because you had the experience with your son. Yes, I have. Uh, my my oldest son had auditory processing disorder, my youngest son, rather, which was really severe. And he couldn't understand. Uh, we couldn't understand him and he couldn't understand us. And it was really, really tragic. And um, so I one day he was getting his hair cut and I said, do you want to trim or do you want a haircut like Parker? Like, and he's like, I want a haircut. I'm like, okay, honey, but what kind, like, do you want? So I got him a new haircut, short like Parker's. And two days later, we're driving home from school. I said, did anyone say anything about your haircut? And he starts crying and screaming and saying, I told you I want haircut and you did do it. This is not it. This is... And I was like, okay, I'm going to do everything I can so that we can figure out how to communicate with each other, honey. And I got this woman, Lois Heyman, who was had written a book um, 
the book on auditory processing. And then we wrote the actual book about it that talked about, you know, Blake and where he was when he started and how he's doing now, which is fantastic. But um, I think that he too was on the spectrum, but they didn't diagnose him with that 21 years ago. But her that right. diagnosed at three with autism. And every time I go back, I honestly think this time they're going to tell me she doesn't have it. And they never do. <laughs> but like I get myself to the point where and people, other people go, she doesn't have it. I'm like, well, maybe she doesn't. Maybe she outgrew it. No, it's a neurological disorder. Right. right, right. You're not really yeah. going to outgrow it. Vast and spectrum. So yeah. Right. Every right. one's so different. Exactly. So I like being here. I mean, it helps my depression. Dakota loves it. She loves having me all to herself. Um, my older kids are, are adjusting. I think they, they understand my 18 year old is going to college. So she leaves in about a week. And um, my daughter has two kids and is living in Wisconsin. And Parker is about to get out of the Marines after four years. So Wow. Yeah. Wow. Hard to believe. Yeah. I right. loved your material about him wanting to get into the Marines in your special. Yes. <laughs> me like going, please, God damn it. Anything. But I still have the pictures of me when in the day that he signed up and went in and I'm sitting there crying with a stranger. And I see that guy sometimes because his son went in too. Like both of us were like, what are they doing? You know, but yeah. um you know, this is what he always wanted to do in his life. And there are people who feel called to that for, you know, for reasons that us, you know, non-enlisted people don't really understand. But I'm very proud of him and I'm happy as he is that he's getting out. Since we're talking about about your kids and adopting specifically do you have any advice for queer couples? What were the big things that you didn't anticipate that you learned along the way? Well, I adopted all of my kids alone until Vivi, when she Kelly gave birth to Vivi. And because I wanted to get on the birth certificate because I thought if anything ever happened, I was concerned that her family might feel differently, which I think that they they did initially feel differently, you know, about, as Kelly's mother would say, the blood, their blood. <laughs> like, OK, um, but. You know, I, I would say this, I, I did it by myself because I didn't want to have to go through what you had to go through to be a gay couple. And everyone knew I was gay. Like the social worker who came to do the thing knew I was gay. And, you know, it wasn't like a surprise to to them. Everyone just sort of helped people who were gay adopt, even though um, it was illegal. Right. You'd had to declare that you were gay, right? You had to declare that or not gay, were not gay. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's thinking, yeah. Wait a minute. Is she trying to trick me? No. Um, <laughs> yes. You had to declare you were not gay. Right. So you just had social workers tend to be <laughs> good people. Yeah. Um, exactly. Turning a blind eye. And well, knowing that there are children that need homes and good loving homes and that a parent's sexual identity doesn't have anything to do with their ability to parent as studies have shown over and over, you know, Right. So, um, you know, it, I remember that when we were going to adopt 
Rosita, there was something that you had to sign that you were not now or never had been a lesbian or something. Oh, my God. It was very weird. Um, And we ended up not being able to. And then we did the ACLU lawsuit with uh, Steve Crofton and Roger Cruteau and uh, two nurses, HIV nurses, who adopted the kids whose um, orphan kids from AIDS. And some of them zero converted and they tried to adopt that kid and they wouldn't let them. It's to try to help change those laws because they're very antiquated and racist and homophobic and against everyone's civil liberties. Is it still easier to adopt as a single mom than as a gay couple? I don't know, really, because when I adopted Dakota, she knew that it was me. My other children, they didn't know that it was me. They were closed adoptions. And with Dakota, it was an open adoption. I think now it's it's the same. It depends on your state. Mm -hmm. The adoption laws are state to state. And some are real scary, you know. Florida. Exactly. (laughs) That's where you were doing that, right? (laughs) Yeah, I was pursuing that. And we would take these surveys to see where the, you know, constituents were on this issue to bring it up to the state legislature and, and they said that like some absurd amount of people would rather that a child stayed in foster care than was with two gay people. Right. So we were fighting a, an uphill battle. That was for sure. And you would talk about it on your show. Yeah. How was that received back then? Cause I, I think I remember that before you had come out publicly talking about the adoption laws, if I remember correctly. Yes, for sure. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I was doing that before. And we had shows on adoption because like when I adopted Blake, people were like, oh, how does she keep getting babies? I'm like, anyone can. I'll show you how I did it. Come on. And we'll show (laughs) it on TV, you know. So, um, right. Yeah, I remember doing a, a lot of shows about that and people writing me still saying you're the reason I adopted and or I got the baby from the lawyer on your show and he's now in college. And, you know, it's wild. It really is to be this old with this much uh, history behind you. You know, you don't think it in your thirties, but when you get to be 60, you think it's so much history. Let's get into your personal history. Go. Let's go. We have to talk about, a league of their own. Yes. We recently found out you have a role on the reboot series. Yes, I do. We're very excited to hear that. What are we allowed to know about that? Um, I'm not sure, but I will tell okay. you this. What you're not allowed to know about the L word is everything. Oh, They give man, you like cause... a thesis of what you can and cannot say. But yeah, nobody I has ha- told me yet for League of Their Own. But I know I'm playing a bartender in the one sort of gay bar in the 1940s in this town in the middle of the country. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's going to be really wonderful. I saw the pilot. I thought they did an amazing job. There's sort of homage to characters like there's a chubby girl who talks like me from New York. You know, there's like a sex pot like Madonna. (laughs) You know, they have like little nods to people. It's it's very sweet. Um, And imagine if they talked about the sexuality as well on League Mm -hmm. of Their Own. Like, you know, when we go to these reunions of all the women from the League, it's all lesbians, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. The mommy might think the the grandkids might think it's that's Nana's friend. You know. Right. right. 
come on at this point. Uh, so very wisely, the uh, people who put it together thought, imagine if we could explore that, you know, I thought it was an interesting little note. You know, people say, was your character gay on League of Their Own? And I say, yes, definitely. Yeah. And was in love with May. Didn't maybe know what to do about it, but definitely was in love with May and uh, mm-hmm. liked to protect her like a big sister. And But, you know, when she did that scene on the bus, when I did that, where I said, oh, I was not a normal girl. And now I realize there's a lot of us. We're all OK. Penny goes, cut, Rosie, that's not like a gay thing. I go, what? She goes, what are you saying? You're like doing it like it's a gay thing. I go, well, Penny, those those are the words. I'm saying the words. What do you mean to make it a gay thing? What do you think it's about if it's not about? No, it's just that she didn't feel like she was a normal girl. And then she (laughs) did because. Plus all the girls playing baseball with it. That's all. That's it. And that's kind of, you know, that was it. There was no subtext of any of that with anyone. The only one who got to have a sex life was Gina Davis's character. Right? Mm-hmm. Got to have a relationship. Everyone else was. Well, it was kind of crazy that Marla Hooch, who also seemed clearly gay, <laughs> that they have her link up with the, the guy at the nightclub. But more so than anybody to me, Kit came off as gay, Laurie Petty's character. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's just like her essence is sort of that, you know, right. kind of... Scrappy dyke. Well, more like, almost <laughs> even like a non-binary kind of, you know, right. girl who like shaves yeah. her head and but I know she was with guys I know this guy comedian who she was with for a long time and you know I don't know I always thought she was gay but I I don't really know her that well you know Mm -hmm. I mean did the movie I didn't it's not like we became friends or hung out or anything well speaking of queer subtext from characters you played a lot of people don't know your character in now and then totally was originally gay. intended, intended to, to be gay. a lesbian and lesbian that- by a lesbian me i'm in it yeah um yes and that was the part of of the whole thing that she it was gay roberta and mm-hmm. um when they saw a cut of the film they said people were confused with whether or not i was in love with Rita Wilson, because when she's pushed out the baby, I say I love you to her. And so they didn't know what to do because they thought it was too much like lovers. It's like, what? So when I saw the movie, I was like, all the kind of nuancey gay things were kind of a little bit taken out, you know. But even though I'm still playing it like that, because that's how I played it the whole time. Okay, that's what I've always wondered. This movie means so much to me, and I know to so many other millennial girls who came of age in the 90s it's just every friend I have growing up like we could quote it from beginning to end I recently learned about this and was devastated you've always I just the character was gay like to me like and when I didn't know I was or what gay was like I just I knew it in my bones and they they had that singular line at the end that they added in about like Roberta chooses to live an alternative life living in sin with her boyfriend like and that's it so yeah, I was is that wondering. What it says living in sin with her boyfriend. Yeah, they add in <laughs> Rita just saying, you know, like the different paths you could take 
Roberta has chosen to take an alternative path. Even just the word alternative made me think like, well, she's definitely gay. Um, But then living in sin with her boyfriend, I was wondering what. Everyone did a spit take. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, it was that was, you know, when my show was still on. And um, sorry, that's so annoying. It's the leaf blowers outside. They're not on my That house. always happens with L.A. guests. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you know why? The houses are so close to each other. I was um, talking on my phone on my tiny little patio near my jagged little pool. And um, <laughs> the neighbor, when I saw her outside the next day, said, so I heard you're going to Disney. Like you heard it over the fence. <laughs> That's what she oh, heard. God. <laughs> A little odd. A little yeah. odd. A little odd. Mm. I, I'm just surprised because I didn't think that there were leaves to blow in L.A. Like on the ground, you don't see maybe because everyone's blowing them already. Yeah, before. they're getting blown all <laughs> over the place. By. You never see them land. You're right. You've <laughs> seen like a big pile of leaves in L.A. like you're doing. No. no. Right. <laughs> yeah. Going back to a league of their own. Do you have any other good Penny Marshall stories? <laughs> like what, what's one of your favorite Penny Marshall moments? Well, every day at like about four o'clock or five thirty, and mind you, we started before dawn usually, and you know it's it's exhausting. I mean, I know there are people who are homeless outside. I know that there are people. I'm just saying, in in my universe of of where I work, it's very long days, you know. So she would get tired around four or five, and she'd start mumbling, and nobody could really understand her. So a lot of times when she go like, who wants to go over there and then lead over, come back, you have a hot dog in your mouth and you touch a ball, anybody. And I would always go, I'll do it. I'll come rosy, <laughs> always rosy. And it's because I could understand her. Not everyone could, you know, <laughs> but she would have bacon every day at four or five o'clock. She'd scream, Bacon! <laughs> bacon and craft service would run out with a plate of bacon for her. She'd eat like a whole plate of bacon almost every day. <laughs> she was an obsessive hoarder of quilts, of paraphernalia, of memorabilia, of sports mm-hmm. stuff. Like incredible. Like to the point where when we did the Target, I mean the um Kmart? Kmart, thank you. Not Target. Yes. Kmart commercials. <laughs> She like rented a plane to take all the stuff that she was taking for free home to Los Angeles, where she could have bought it all for like six thousand dollars and saved the thirty five thousand on the plane, you know. But her getting free stuff was like a main existence point of her life. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I loved that interview. You kind of roasted her for how much she took away and like oh got the total. God. It was six thousand something dollars yeah, worth. It was. And you were like, it's kind of hard to spend that spend much, that at much Kmart money at Kmart at that time. Exactly. But she'd be like, we'd be doing the scene, and she'd go, "Look at that Jeep over there. One of your kids big enough for that Jeep? Let's get that Jeep for one of your kids. I, I, I don't need anything from Kmart. Thanks, Penn. You know." <laughs> But, you know, she struggled a lot with substance abuse and it was sad. She got very sick with cancer and went to her brain. And then she was in a wheelchair, which I know made her very upset. And Carrie died. And they were like, you know, two uh, two sisters, same trunk, different branches. 
So it's hard, you know, it's hard to believe that she and Nora Ephron are gone, you know, like these yeah. two women who had such, I was so lucky to have female directors for so many of my projects. I mean, hardly anyone gets to have as many female directors as I did, you know, and right. Penny and Nora are two of the best that there were ever, you know. Penny was such a, such a legend and, you know, Obviously, I didn't know her personally, and celebrity passings normally don't affect me too much, but I remember being at, at work and reading the news and just crying at work yeah, about Penny Marshall. That was just... Uh, yeah. One of my favorite things was that when she released her memoir, that to promote it, it's that video of Fred Armisen doing an impression of Penny Marshall promoting the memoir and I thought it was just a comedy sketch but Penny Marshall actually had that be the, the promo for her book oh I didn't know that it's I can believe that so funny it's so funny it um, really was something well so you were saying that the days were long and there's this one thing that that's gone around a bunch of is a, a letter that Madonna wrote to one of her friends while shooting a league of their own and just bemoaning the experience and how horrible it was. Um, <laughs> I didn't hear about that. I didn't hear about it. Oh my gosh. Uh, What'd she call me? <laughs> Well, that's the thing. She doesn't mention you. And I'm like, this feels like a, a little bit of a of a slight because she says it was such a, a terrible time. But I know that that's where you two became friends. I'm going to read you the exact thing because okay. I don't want to misquote this. So it's a letter that she wrote to photographer Stephen Mizell. I cannot suffer any more than I have in the past month. Learning how to play baseball with a bunch of girls. Yuck. In Chicago. Double yuck. I have a tan. I'm dirty all day. I hardly ever wear makeup. Penny Marshall, comma, Laverne, comma, Gina Davis is a Barbie doll. And when God decided where the beautiful men were going to live in the world, he did not choose Chicago. I have made few friends, but they are athletes, not actresses. They have nothing on the house of extra. I wish I could come to New York. That's I think that sounds like her. <laughs> yeah, I mean it does. We had to verify like, because there was no gushing over you, right? Yeah. 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 Well she wasn't she wasn't mad at me. She didn't think I was annoying. So she left me in. That's all right. Yeah. That's okay. And she likes comedians. She does. Yes. Yeah, she had Amy Schumer open for her yep. uh, on her on her tour, and she did that that stand up bit on Fallon. Did you see that? Yes, I did. <laughs> what you think? I thought you know, listen, good for her. She's trying it out. It's not easy to do those shows, you know. No, it takes guts to takes do uh, guts. your first open it's mic on Fallon. Right. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I'm like, is this thing on? Hello. <laughs> well, can we talk about your stand up career? Sure. You'd mentioned on an interview with Andy Cohen on Watch What Happens Live in 2019 that you were um, you were getting ready to go do a show at um, Leah Delaria's The Club in Provincetown, and you said you were working on an hour to potentially do for HBO. Are you still like working on an hour? Did the pandemic affect plans for yeah, that? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Because uh, we had tour dates and little clubs. That's how I mm -hmm. usually do it. I chunk it out. I do... Uh, you know, just take index cards and write the topic. And then as many of the bit topics, I do it like an outline form. 
And, uh, and then I go do like, all right, I'm going to try these three chunks tonight. And, you know, or these, and then you eventually end up with a whole new, a whole new bit, but, um, I haven't gotten to do it. And I still think I'm, I'm very concerned about COVID. I yeah. wouldn't mm-hmm. feel comfortable performing. I don't think live, you know, now I'm, I'm very worried because the kids and I have an eight year old and this right. seems, you know, very risky, but I would like to do it. I have a lot of material about the pandemic and uh, about being 60, about turning 60. Like, And I, I was so inspired by Bo Burnham's special, Inside. You know, I don't know if you saw that on Netflix, but it really... Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I thought it was a brilliant piece of work and uh, mm-hmm. thought it talked about mental illness in a way that few people do. And those songs are all so kitschy and gimmicky and great you know my kids are like turn it off you know i have it on in the car i have it on everywhere like it's a musical it is yeah well we hope we get to see that hour yeah eventually when things calm down we do comedy we had actually just done a stand-up show in provincetown this past weekend um yeah i'm still here uh (laughs) what was the, the velvet lounge the, or the yeah or it was the red room at velvet and yeah. i'm actually going to to the club tonight oh, <laughs> oh yeah that. carolyn's in p-town right now still yeah. um but yeah it was jarring it, it's, it's just a weird time like a socially distant audience you're trying to decipher whether or not people are laughing behind their masks the audience uh, was masked yeah, but yeah it was it was strange um yeah. yeah it's not you know usually you have like sniper vision when you're doing stand-up where you could see who's smiling who's not who mm-hmm, might right. be dangerous, who's getting too close. You know, you really right. are constantly taking input from the audience and to have it be masked is very uh, trippy. I was just looking right. for crow's feet. Like I was just looking at laugh lines, like right, right. <laughs> and, trying yeah. to see. <laughs> they happy. <laughs> you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. You did bring up the L word before, and we know that there's a lot you can't say. We absolutely love Carrie. Uh, Our favorite L word character already. Yes. The best thing that's happened to the L word. Because she's so real. (laughs) Because she's an actual lesbian with real. Yeah. Lesbian concerns. I think just being real and also you're an incredible actress. So the, the way yeah. that you play the part is so perfect. The the comedic timing. I mean, that scene in the restaurant with the oysters and everything. And when you walk away from Gigi and you're like, what what is she talking about? Leave him for the adults. Like, it, it's just it's so perfect. And uh, it, it just, yeah, it brings this whole other... Like it ups the game of the L word. Did you watch the original L word? Oh How yes! You Are you know? kidding me? Okay. I'm a All right. Okay. Who do you like? Yes, I watched <laughs> yeah. it. Of course. Who are you shipping? Who are your Who are your favorite couple? How did you feel about coming in on uh, Tibet? I'm very happy to break up Tibet. I can tell you. <laughs> yes. that right now. we are too. Yes, yes we are. Tibet has We're had done. more than enough chances, and it wasn't only that yes. one time 18 years ago. What happened right. to the plumber? That's what I right. said. Come on. Yeah. She's had more than one affair on Tina. Well, and she was cheating on, on Jody with Tina. It's a toxic relationship. And I want to know how the uh, how the Tibet fans are treating you. Are, are they are they upset about it? Or well, are sometimes they on, like unlike us? I was writing on my uh, I don't know what it was, TikTok or something. Some of them were saying, leave them alone. And I was like, what are you kidding? We're engaged. Back up. I'm going to cut a bitch. Back up. You know, um, but it was fun. We went to this Dana's bar in somewhere so far away from my house. And there were like, it was like being at the Dinosaur convention. <laughs> where um, Palm Springs, where just everywhere you look, it's just a sea of undercuts and cargo shorts. <laughs> right. And Lycra if you're if you're brave, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was something else. When the original run was happening, were you ever asked to be on it then? The very last scene I was gonna play the detective who found the body of Jenny in the pool or what? Lucy Lawless. Oh, Lucy Lawless that. in the pool. Yeah. Who yeah. It was. And um that's what I was supposed to do, but I was shooting something else and there was a conflict and they wouldn't let me out to do it. So I couldn't do it. So but Eileen had always wanted me to be on there. And, you know, I was a huge fan of it. I mean, like everyone. I mean, I always crushed out on um, Alice, Leisha Hayes, Leisha. Yeah. Adorable. She's just and she looks as gorgeous as she did 10 years ago. I mean, all of them have been like frozen on ice. I don't have an age. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They haven't aged a minute. Right. When I saw Jennifer Beale's age, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> just... Right. Yeah. She's gorgeous. She's she's my age, I think. She's 59 or something. Yeah. And she looks yeah. like that. It's crazy. OK. I Yeah. I had to know, are you improving some of the lines? Are you bringing some? Because when you were going into the story about the jet ski place in Miami, I'm like, is this Rosie or is it just the writers who know Rosie? It's written. It's all written. Okay. 
Now, the little thing that, that I did, what you mentioned about, what the hell are they talking about? Like, that was an ad lib, right? Just thrown oh. in. That's, that scene was a little ad lib. But the rest of it, all are written lines. And that and the yeah. writers, I think, did a great job, you know? Like, she has to be, carries a little bit shocked that she, like, got Tina, you know? And now right. she's around Tina and all her gorgeous girlfriends, and she's having an identity crisis, right? Where she used to be... Oh, well, I'm a lawyer. I'm a GA. I'm a, you know, whatever. I'm a, uh, if you cannot afford one, one will be appointed for you. That's me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so she has to sort of face herself and all the issues that she doesn't deal with by being in this old new group, you know? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right. it's pretty fascinating. I think they did a great job. Well, we we can't wait to see what happens with your character. Can you tell us, do we get to see, um, because the L word is known for its sex scenes, do we get to see you and Tina be intimate at all? Well, I'll tell you the truth. (laughs) When I took the deal, I told them I didn't want to have a sex scene. They're like, really? Why? And I'm like, I have enough issues in my own life with my own body shame that I don't want to be, I I can't stand the memes that are going to happen. I just like, can we just leave that alone? And they were like, sure, we don't have to do that, you know? But then Kate and, and all the young women were like, what are you kidding me? Go, what, go right ahead. It'll be great. Right. You can wear a t-shirt <laughs> if you want or boxer shorts. You can do whatever you want. You know, I'm like, okay, okay. Not for me. Not for me. Well, they are next level. They're not just regular. You're not kidding. They're next Sex level. Scenes. And, and <laughs> yeah, it's like they're, they're gorgeous intense. body next to gorgeous body next to what? You know, everyone there is a model. It's like a gang of gorgeous girls. They travel in packs, you know, in the L word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we think you fit in, Ro. You look great on the show. Yeah. And we love seeing well, you there. Thank We're you. I had such thrilled about it. And, um, such I'm not I'm not on for two more episodes. So now I'm not Aww. on next week. Then I'm on. Oh, good. Because we host watch parties, actually, for Showtime at Henrietta Hudson here wow. in New York. Fantastic. And yes. I can tell you, everyone's screaming when you're on screen. And oh, how nice. It's just such yes. a good reception. I mean, us included. <laughs> but I won't be able to make the next two. So that's good to know that I'll be missing miss the me. ones that you're on. Yeah. Because <laughs> I love being in the room watching everyone watch you. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> everyone loves it. I would show up if I was in New York. Oh, my God. Oh God. <laughs> we would love if that. If you ever are while the show is running. I used running, to go Lisa. there. Henrietta. Yeah. Since back in the day. Yeah, Lisa was telling us. Oh, that's right. We, we asked Lisa if she's ever seen you there. Yeah, I've been there. And the cubby hole, I used to go there a long, long time ago. Yeah. Well, speaking of your your old days, being being a, a dyke in the village, what is dating like for you? I'm so bad at it. Now, with the L word, I have to tell you, there's a lot of your age lesbians that are very confident and very yeah. self-assured in ways that I'm like in shock, you know, so they, they'll write me something and like, you know, I thought you were wonderful and some, thank you. You know, I write back. Thank you. When can I take you out on a date? I'm like, yeah. well, I just saw your photo and it looks like when you graduate high school, question mark. 
<laughs> oh, I'm uh, 28 or I'm 34 or I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, hold on. I am 60. Sen, sen, sen. But they don't see, you know, they don't see this. So I have real, a real issue with people's age. You know, yeah. I have a problem like, you know, if somebody is in their 30s and I'm 60, that's not going to fly for me. I have a son who's 26, you know, yeah. like right. it's a little too close for me. It doesn't feel like uh, so I don't really know how to do it. I mean, people ask me, I get nervous. I don't know. You know, it's been uh, it's been a while since I've gone on a date date. Yeah. Is it friends setting you up or That's have you ever tried the apps? You know, or TikTok is, that... is, I find, is the latest lesbian dating um, match. It is. Site. A f- that yep, because lesbian match.com or her or whatever the ones are now, um, you can watch like a good 40 minutes of these people making entertainment and see like, okay, let, that might be a warning here. Oh, well, wait, that, that's kind <laughs> of icky. You get to see a lot more than just a photo. Yeah. TikTok, you don't stop. Exactly. TikTok, we hope you, you never do. We love yes, it. <laughs> You're so prolific on TikTok. We've got put to us know, to shame. What's the process? When what inspires you to make a TikTok? It depends. Like if I'm if something big happens, like I saw that big fight at the beach and these two people at this. Husband oh, yeah. I watched fighting. Those. Yeah. And they had this, he had this table that came and he put it together. Like it was like some sort of boy scout thing with knots. And, and and then he put his chargers for his phones and this and that. And the wife came back and like picked up the phone and threw it at him. It was like a full on fight. And uh, when they left, I, when I got home, I'm like, I have to do that one. I just have to tell the story of what happened, you know? So that's sometimes just life, but I do go on it and I like to sort of duet people or sing a song with them or, you know, do uh, something. If someone does something funny to do something back, I think it's a very creative app, you know, and it there is. are people who are really, really good at it. And I look to, to them and I'm very inspired at how creative they they can be on on this. What was formerly a 15 second app. Now you can have right or three minutes but right yeah that's you know it's a lot you're always on the cutting edge with social media new social media new media do these apps just save the name rosie for you then you know like are they just keeping that waiting for you that happened with twitter when the guy from Twitter came over to my house and (laughs) um said was going to teach me twitter the jack dorsey came over to my house to teach me twitter wow and um, wow, I was like, that's what I was like. Wow, you are the one guy I see on TV. And he uh, he said, we saved the name Rosie for you. I said, oh, OK. So I didn't know that it meant anything. But then come to it also saved that on Instagram. It saves it on. So now I just have that name where people a lot write me and go, can I buy that name from you? I'm like, no, no, there's more than we don't Rosie. want why would anyone? Yeah, that's mine. I'm to kidding. another Rosie. Yeah. What's the worst date that you've been on? Totally no. <laughs> I totally know. It had to be 1994-95. A woman okay. had bought the right to go on a dinner date with me at an event that I was at. 
There was a place called Muse on Melrose. And it was like a trendy place of the day. And that's where we were going. And um, she paid a lot of money to go. I get there and she's sitting there. And it's obvious that she's already drunk. Right. She's very drunk. Mm. and she's trying to get more drinks for her and trying to get me drinks. And I decided I'm not, I'm not drinking. Thank you. Anyway, I'm going to just go. She's like, well, wait, I go, why don't you get a cab? Why don't you just leave your keys here and get a cab? She's like, I'm fine to drive. I, I don't really know the woman, you know, like I, I'm like, well, I would, if I were you, I would leave your car here and get a cab. And it was no Ubers then, you know? Mm-hmm. We go to La Cienega. We're on Melrose. We hit a main street going up and she um, gets out of her car, which was a Mercedes convertible and comes to my car behind her and says, are you sure you don't want to go out for another drink? And I said, no. <laughs> she runs back to her car, comes back and asks me if I have a knife. I said, What? She said, I locked my keys in the car. Now, I had a knife on my this big that you like, you know, do your nails with. I don't even I don't think it's (laughs) a real knife, even though it's a Swiss army, but it's thin as hell. You know, Mm -hmm. she took it. I thought she was going to jiggle the lock. Right. She cuts into her leather top of her Mercedes with this little tiny fucking thing, the blade breaks off and cuts her skin right as a cop car turns and makes a left and stops right next to her. And I'm parked behind her. No, <laughs> I'm like, oh, dear God. The cop comes over and he's like, aren't you Rosie O'Donnell? I said, yes. I said, can I explain to you what happened, sir? This was a charity event. I don't know her. She's obviously drunk. I asked for her keys. She wouldn't take them. I don't know where she lives. I don't know anything about her. I have to go home. She's like, he's like, well, if you take her to a hotel and we leave her car in like one of those donut places, like with the big Randy's donut on it. So we left her car there and I drove her to the Four Seasons because that's where I always stayed. And I dropped her off there. I said, get a get a room. So she's getting a room. Next day, I'm on the set of Exit to Eden. And it's an emergency phone call from this girl. She wanted to know if we had sex and where her car was. Mm. The real bad thing is three weeks later, I walked in to do a voiceover and she was the producer of the Oh, oh my god wow um that's an epic bad day yeah so <laughs> many levels was this like a one-off voiceover one-off. okay yeah, okay. yeah. it wasn't like a series was i gonna have to keep seeing her now <laughs> yeah oh your voice work is so good though i uh listened to the audiobook um of why am I blinking on the memoir find slash me, find, find me. me. I had just yeah, said yeah. it. Yeah. And all the voices you do made me wonder like, why haven't you, <laughs> where are all the like Pixar characters? Yeah. Well, uh, Tarzan, Turk. I did Turk. Oh I did, yeah. Uh, yes, you know, they don't really pay you a lot of money to do those. It's like an honor. Oh, to really? Work. Yes. It's like an honor to work for Disney and, you know, I get, yeah. they're honored when they make hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't know why <laughs> that's how it is. But um, 
you know, you don't really make a lot of money, but I would love to do some. I don't know why I, I don't. Is there a type of role because you've been in really kicking it up with the acting, it seems, in the past few few years. And is there a kind of role or character that you're just dying to play that you haven't? Well, someone like uh, Geraldine Page in The Pope of Greenwich Village. Have you ever seen that? No, but the, I'm going to Chesterfield now. <laughs> cigarette. And she's taking out the pieces like this. My son, Walter, was as tough as a bar of iron. And he didn't get that from his father. I got a brother. He's an old fashioned parish priest, gray hair and all. He'll do a spot on the six o'clock news, have this whole city in tears. Now you want to get out of my house, copper? <laughs> That's exactly what she did in that movie. So like a grittier character. Like a, yeah, like, like a mom. Not the girl. queen of nice. No, exactly. But, um, you know, listen, Smilf was a chance to Smilf. play that kind of I character. love you in Smilf, I love by the way. Such Your Southie show. accent is perfect. Just that character. Yeah. My girlfriend and I love and speak in your character's Vinac- accent what? to each other. Yeah. <laughs> Again, vernacular. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that show. What was the name of your character in Beautiful Girls? It's- Can you believe I don't remember? Yeah, I'm blanking. It was like a Gina teen, like something like that. Yeah, I think it was Gina. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that character. That was too. a great that one. had a little grit, that one. To do that take all in one take, you know? Yeah, walking. Right. If you notice, the... there was, there's no cutting. He just would do more yeah. big takes. It was um, awesome. really fun to do that movie. Although when the move poster came out, they sent it to my office uh, Miramax and I looked at it and I was like, "Oh my God, was Courtney Cox in this movie? I never saw Courtney Cox in this film. It was me. They had cut out so much. I thought face. that too. Yeah, that I looked like Courtney Cox in the in the promos. And yeah. I was on the phone on mute when my agent was talking to Harvey, and he said she should thank me. She's never looked better. Oh my God. Always oh, a classy man. What can I say? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. May he rotten hell. Um, Speaking of roles, what do you think about the news of Beanie Feldstein being cast for Funny Girl for the Broadway revival? Well, you know, I was working with Michael Mayer for a while on and had talked to him about doing the role of Rose, the mother of Fanny, who has a song in the Broadway show. But it was when Adina was doing it. And then I got the series and I moved out to L.A., so I'm not available to do it. But I think Beanie is very, very talented. I think she's really good. I think it's an interesting choice. It's not, you know, a typical choice by any means. And, you know, let's hope she gets out there and, and makes it her own. I mean, Streisand will be 80 this year, you know, mm-hmm. and it's never been revived. Right. So maybe it's time. And I wish them all the luck in the world. And are you going to be coming back to New York for that? Oh, when, when Broadway opens up, that's going to be, yeah. yeah when Broadway you're, opens, you're all I, over the place. I don't know. I worry with this Delta variant, what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I don't I want to, but I do. You know, the Spanish Civil War, the Spanish flu that in the 1819 or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, the second wave was what killed millions of people. We haven't had our second wave yet. So it's very scary. Switching gears, what is something about you that 
people are always surprised to learn once they get to know you? I think that depression, like when people, if you know anyone with depression. Hi. Yeah. It's, um, you know, people are surprised. Like sometimes they say, like, if they see me with my normal face in the store, not like smiling, are you okay? I'm okay. It's my normal face. We're used to seeing Rosie O'Donnell like this, but this is my normal face. I'm not upset. I'm not mad. You know, if you have depression, I think people are surprised at how, quote unquote, heavy it can get. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. this woman I dated who was a police officer, Elizabeth Rooney, her name is, she said, you know, that she would tell people, listen, it's not what you think. You know, <laughs> it's not, <laughs> not what you think, you know. Not that it's worse or it's just different than she would imagine, you know. Right. Like the things weigh on me, you know. Well, especially with being a a comedian and having had your show that I imagine there are a lot of expectations on you. And I think on comedians in general that people expect them to be on all the time and always jokey, jokey and trying to make people laugh when really it's usually the opposite. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I remember though, when I was your age and I would be at a club and the middle act or the, and the opener, we would all go out in the day to see a movie usually to pass the time. And sometimes I would have like openers who were so excited that they're like, did you see we're in the paper? Yeah. We're like, there's an ad for the governor's cafe. It's like that big, you know, and they're, yeah. they're telling everyone, hey, we're we're performing down at Vinny's Yuck Yuck Palace. If you want to come, we can get you some comps. And, you know, like, right. I remember how annoying that used to be to me. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. When someone asks what you do and yeah, you I'm trying to avoid say, saying comedian. You, you say you're an accountant. I learned that from TikTok. Yes, yeah. much better. <laughs> I know that's for sex workers, but I think comedians should adopt that, too. I'm an accountant. No further questions, no further usually. Questions. <laughs> How old were you when you when you realized that you were gay? You know, it's so hard because my mom died at 10. So that was like a nuclear bomb in the middle of, you know, a life. And everything kind of gets mixed up like at that yeah. kind of point. But I remember her telling me about, you know, menstruation and and getting your period and what I would have to do if that, when that happened, you know, and then she went to the hospital and then she died. So I didn't know if it was real, if it was true. Like I thought it was maybe something that she did, but she didn't mean to scare me, but she scared me. And so right around that time when she died, I had my first crush on Lori Shackner's older sister, Lisa. And when you went into Lori Shackner's house, her mother would take both of your cheeks in her hands and kiss you. And it was so unbelievable. And Lisa did it, too. She would kiss you on both cheeks. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, Lisa Shackner. That was it. You know. Um, so I would say pretty young. You know, yeah. I would say like around 10. Fifth grade. Wow. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, I was, I knew. (laughs) You know, and I was so much better at sports than my brothers and everybody, all their coaches used to say, can we trade them in for her? You know, (laughs) but this was before girls could play sports. 
But you were also prom queen yeah. and everything. And class I president, very, right? Was it? Weren't you? Yeah. In the class clown. Like, were, were guys coming after you? Guys? No, no, no. Yeah, no? No. Guys were not coming after me. I didn't have a I'm interested in you guys vibe. I was yeah. completely <laughs> disinterested. People were like, you don't like men. No, I just was not interested. Like, I was, right. I didn't have any interest in entertaining them and talking to them and right. smelling them. Like, I always <laughs> thought they smelled bad, you know? Um, no, no interest, sort of. No interest yeah. from early on. So, no, none of them were. I had a crush on Mary Rose my senior year of high school. And um, she was dating Augie Tefano. And it was very, a lot of drama. But, you know, no, I never really um, had guys kind of wanting to date me. And how long was it until you had, like, your first experience with another woman? I would say I was, I went to college and I fell in love with a girl named Chris Salucci, who wore a white hooded sweatshirt with no zipper. And I had never seen a hoodie like that with no zipper (laughs) and red sweatpants and white Reebok low tops. And I remember she wore her hair, blonde hair and a braid down her back. And for years, if I would see anyone with a braid, I would like (gasps) have to catch my breath, you know, for a moment. Um, So we were never sexual, but we were madly in love. And I we used to tickle each other's backs in college in the bed together and sleep in a twin bed. But that was it. Nobody was really brave enough to do anything else. Hmm, That seems that sounds gayer than sex to me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Probably. Right. Yeah. Gently tugging at her braid. Yes. Yes. Queer moments. Right. Right. (laughs) And then um, I had a relationship uh, when I was like my first real relationship. I would say I was, I think, 22. Like I had, you know, had sex starting at like 21. Thanks for telling us. (laughs) I I was trying to remember now. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they could make up a whole story because nobody could fact check it. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to Madonna, quick question. So Madonna is working on her movie that she's writing with Diablo Cody, her biopic. Who do you think should play Madonna? The young girl from Ozark. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, she's a great actress. That. Great actress. Is there any chance that Lourdes would do it? I don't think so. No. <laughs> That'd be too messy, right? No, and it's not her thing, I think. You know, yeah. she's going to do something. I think artistically she'll do something on her own. Yeah. Yeah, she's a beautiful girl. Wonderful girl. I know. Just seeing the picture, she looks so much like She like definitely does. Yeah. yeah. And then at the last concert, I was lucky enough to see Madonna in October of 2019. Yeah. And with the Frozen song and Lourdes with that screen coming. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. That was just really cool. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I I grew up um, a huge, huge Madonna fan. Like my walls covered 
plastered with posters, pictures, everything of Madonna. Um, A League of Their Own was my favorite movie. That's where I learned about you from. And then I knew you were best friends with her and then your your show and I started watching this and everything that you liked all the Broadway stuff I'm like finally somebody who like gets me and and who I can relate to and there's also something about her I don't know what it is yeah. but I she makes me feel less weird and watching your show um every day you were just the coolest person I mean you still are uh and and anybody who listens to me talk on this podcast knows that I think you're the the coolest person no thank you so um, much it it meant so much to me um and like my mom loves you. My grandmother, who's no longer with us, loved you. And just going to watch your show with my grandmother. And, and I remember when you came out, and, and I imagine you got this a lot. My grandma was like, I mean, it's fine, but why all the stuff with Tom Cruise? Yeah. And yeah, it wasn't only got, your she's grandma got that a lot. Who thought that. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I remember thinking, because that was around the time that I realized that, that I was gay and, and had my first girlfriend. And when she said that, I was like, oh, she's fine with Rosie being gay. It's just she felt deceived by the Tom Cruise thing. Exactly. And, that's great. So now I know that my grandma's going to be okay with me and she was my best friend and that just like meant meant the world to me. So thank you for for all of that and uh you know, just wouldn't be doing this today if it if it wasn't for you. I remember I met you <laughs> Of course, I remember this. I met you briefly after the show you did at UCB, that female gaze show. Oh, right. And at the end of the show, my wife and I were sitting in the front. I had my Rosie O'Donnell show, Koosh Ball Pencil. And you looked at me and you said, come here. And you said, I got to hug the lesbians. (laughs) (laughs) And that moment uh, afterwards, I just... I like started sobbing Oh, uh, honey. and, and I called my mom, you know, it was like 11 o'clock at night in New York crying, gave my mom a heart attack. She's like, what's wrong? Where are you? Is Cecilia with you? What's happening? And I'm like, oh, oh, you're so <laughs> well, you know what happened to me the other day? I what? was out to dinner with my son and his fiance and this guy comes over from a table just across from us and says, I'm good friends with your friend Sheila. I'm like, Oh my God, how do you know her? Blah, blah, blah. And then I see Kathy Bates get up from her seat and start walking over to me. And she said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I said, what, what, what? She said, (laughs) your role. And I know this much is true. She said, I auditioned for that role and you did it better than I would have. And I thought to myself, is this really happening? Am I having a stroke? You know, like, <laughs> am I smelling bird toast and hallucinating this whole thing? And I said to my son who was there with me, I'm like, don't ever forget that, Blakey, because that's something <laughs> that I will probably talk myself out of that it happened, you know? Right. Because yeah. I couldn't believe it. I, I started getting teared up and my son's like, you're going to cry? I'm like, kind of. Yes. That's like the best actress working Telling me that right. she likes my stuff. Do you feel like you get 
overlooked or underrated as an actor because you, you nail every role, everything you're in, I feel like. Well, thank you. You That's bring so, so much to it. You yeah. know, I think for a long time when I did acting and then I did my talk show and then people see you locked in that position. So it t- took all this time for that to kind of dissipate. And people go, oh, are you going to do a right. show again? I'm like, I really, I really not because I, I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing, which is work on myself as an actress and, and hopefully continue to get these wonderful roles that will give me an opportunity to one day have that Geraldine Page movie, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully, right? But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I know that I've had a career that most people couldn't even dream of, you know? And even right. when I was dreaming it up, I, I didn't think of the success and the level that I have had it, you know, I mean, it surpassed my dreams. And sometimes it's hard to sort of take it all in, you know, like it's hard also not to feel like, wow, I'm almost done. You know, you're 60, you know, you have 20 more years and you. You're lucky if you get to 80 healthy, you know, and uh, I'm hoping I do because I have an eight year old. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. And we're hoping you do, too, for more selfish reasons. Yes. Well, I'll take them. I'll take we're them all. Such fans. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so nice. Just can't thank you enough for yeah. preparing for time. this. We've been, like, nerding out on uh, on rosy content. For, Going through for old weeks. clips. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just crying. Um, oh. Talking to our moms. <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, my my mom says hi. Um, yeah, so mom, mom say hi. Mom. That's very important that that we let you know. Truly, that. <laughs> like you were like my after school mom. I was a latchkey kid. I um, would come home after school and watch your show. I grew up with immigrant parents who were just constantly working, going to night classes after work, and just learned so much from you. Like cultural blind spots um, have like really lessened just from watching your show. I learned about Broadway, a lot of pop culture I would have never been exposed to, which I really think like steered me in the direction that I've like, or the place I found myself in now. Like I just uh, truly learned so much from you and this is such an honor. I never thought I'd get to talk to you. I'm not going to cry. Well, <laughs> listen, I'm proud of you two. So young and doing this and, thank you. you know, having the foresight to call it what it is, diking out. There you go. <laughs> so young, Rosie, when you were my age, you were hosting the yeah. <laughs> show. Get out of here. Well, <laughs> from this point where I sit, you look like babies. <laughs> Thank you. Now, you really are fulfilling the prophecy of this podcast. Oh, that's true. We started it out. Yeah, we we started it out the first episode. We say we want to create a community for dykes and dyke adjacent folks. We want to bring different perspectives, people from all different walks of life, backgrounds. But really, our raison d'etre <laughs> is... To have Rosie O'Donnell one day come on the podcast wow. because, again, just such an icon, daikon. Daikon! Uh, really like done it. so much <laughs> for our community and have made this all possible. So, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you, Rosie, you for diking out welcome. with us today. Both thank of you, you so are much. more than welcome. Carry on. And anytime you want me to come on, just call me up. Oh, my God. And, yeah, and if you need know. a 
a date to see Funny Girl uh, on Broadway when you're back in New York. I'm available. Yeah, she's, she right. is one of those millennials. There you go. They're bold. I'm telling you. They are bold. My wife won't mind. My wife won't mind. All right, good. There we go. Now we're in a thruple. We're in a thruple. Look what happened. Look at that. That's how easy it is. It's a gateway drug. <laughs> These are the times we're living in. Uh, thank you so much, thank Rosie. You. Enjoy the rest day. of your day. Yeah. See Take you care. soon. We love you. Bye. Love you back. Bye. 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 Okay. So that was it. That was uh, the biggest interaction that I've had with Rosie yet. I have a feeling it's not going to be the last. Dreams come true. Dreams come true, and Rosie makes dreams come true for a lot of people. That was just such a great thing. So usually here is where we would answer a listener question, but Melody, we listen to each other every week. So my listener question for you is, what was your favorite part of talking to Rosie? Okay. Excellent question, Carolyn. I would have to say getting that confirmation from her that Roberta and now and then was a dyke <laughs> like <laughs> we all knew it you know I'm obsessed this was a major major movie for me and yeah. she obviously didn't have like the biggest part like it was it played with time um Christina Ricci played her younger self for majority of the movie but like it definitely flashed back to her a lot and as a kid I was like that is familiar and (laughs) just to like have that confirmation from her that like stuff was cut out of the movie of her saying like I love you to her friend and just being like more affectionate and to talk to Rosie O'Donnell about now and then I know it's not even it's a blip on her career but (laughs) so much a TikTok of hers can change someone's life and like she does so much big and small and that was just something that meant so much to me I never thought I'd talk to her in life and the fact that I talked (laughs) to her about a movie that meant so much to me was huge right so I'd have to say that I mean there's so much to choose from this was a dream Carolyn do you have a favorite moment there were a lot. I mean, at the end when she jokes about us being in a, a thruple, me, Cecilia, and Rosie, yeah. uh, you know, that's a sound clip that's going to be my new ringtone. Yeah. And there's so much I loved about this and so many little tidbits of information, you know, things like the Penny Marshall impression, so much fun. But one of my favorite things is we asked her and this isn't in the episode. So if you're listening to this, you did not hear it. We asked her to record a message for us to play at our L word watch parties that we do every Friday at Henrietta Hudson. And she agreed and recorded into the zoom, this video message for everybody Mm -hmm. and mid interview, mid interview. (laughs) And she's such a pro that it's like somebody flips a switch and all of a sudden it's showtime for Rosie. Yeah. And she just lands this perfect 
reading. It's funny. It's charming. She doesn't hesitate. She doesn't stumble, stutter, nothing. And it's this great short clip. And we'll probably post this. We'll definitely post it on our Patreon so that everybody can see. And then the people at Henrietta's saw it. I loved it so much. And just seeing her switch that mode, it's just always really cool when you see a professional like that be like, oh, okay, now I'm doing this thing. Yeah. Action. Uh, And and seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, It was was really cool. Cool. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. That's my answer now, too. (laughs) And I think close second for us is bringing up TikTok. I got to say to her. (laughs) Literally, I go, TikTok, you don't stop. And she goes, exactly. (laughs) Something about that I can't stop thinking about and is so funny to me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Without missing a beat. We should put a clip of that on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. I'll get started on that. Love it. All right. Well, we hope you all enjoyed that. And again, for more content, we talk a little bit more about the behind the scenes on our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash diking out. You can follow us on social media at diking out everywhere at diking out podcast on TikTok. You can follow Rosie. Rosie didn't plug her social media. We'll plug it right here at Rosie on Rosie all platforms everywhere. You can follow me at TGI Carolyn. You can follow me at Melody Kamali. And thank you to all you cutie patooties for listening. See you next Tuesday. TikTok, you don't stop. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand-friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.